0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
1: And welcome to the Sportive Podcast. This is Stu. John's not here again. Clarence is not here Again. Brandon is, is not here again. You probably figured that out. Um, so I am on a local farmer's uh, kitchen table. Um, that local farmer's name is Josh Fiedler. Josh, say hello.
2: Hello, Stu. Good to be back for uh, the fourth <laughs> appearance. I think if my if my memory's correct, the fourth appearance on the sportive.
1: I think it. I think it is. Um, we're sharing one mic like a Johnny and June Carter Cash at the Grand Ole Opry <laughs> <laughs> right now. What's wrong? Oh, I'm gonna and sit next to each other. We could. That would be kind of I don't know. We're, we're gonna try to get this to work over the over the course of the table here. Um that didn't make sense. Um but anyway, so we're sharing a mic, um, talking about sports. Um let's see. First things first, Minnesota Twins won today, um, five to three. I went to the game. I have a uh, on the scene report. I watched the game with local baseball um, luminary Hans van Sluten and local baseball fan Mandy Newman um, with a cameo by Patrick Donnelly of the Associated Press. Um, they won five to three today um, things of note it took forever for the game to finish because uh, it was uh, Adal- Adalberto Mejia who actually pitched okay I think and some Odorino for, um, Tampa. Um, and it was just, it was kind of dragged a lot. And then, um, Brian Dozier, uh, came through, um, finally after a really sluggish start to the year with a two out, two, two run home run, I think in the eighth. And then Byron Buxton, <clears throat> Byron Buxton, um, with an insurance run after that. So shut up, sportive guys. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we um after last night, uh, they ran into Chris Archer last night and got drilled, but they dusted themselves off and they will be in first place no matter what on Memorial Day. And that is crazy. Over to you, Josh.
2: You know, I didn't uh I didn't officially document on the Twitter my bros and turds, and I probably would be a little more optimistic if we had more than Three competent starters. Mm-hmm. But had I documented my bro and my turd, my bro would have been San Hector Santiago. I think I put that out on the Twitter a little bit. Yeah. Gave John all kinds of shit for uh, all the shit that he gave <laughs> Hector. And I heard Hector's a real nice guy, puts in a lot of time at the local boys and girls clubs, children's hospitals, <laughs> that sort of things. So, John, I hope, uh, I hope you really know the kind of guy that you're criticizing there. But anyway, that said, uh, my turd, as, uh, as i at least I do have text record proof of this before that your text message record of this before the season started was Kyle Gibson and uh Gibby, as we know, is taking the mound tomorrow. So oh, that's I, right. is, I, I, I tend to get more optimistic about the twins and any, they don't have to give me much to, to get optimistic and get excited compared mm-hmm. to the other local sports teams. But uh, man, if we had more than three starters, it'd be <laughs> a little bit easier.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm just, if you hear like a dragon sound that's me pulling the mic away from Josh and to me, that's uh really a 21st century technology going wild here. Um yeah, um I did not know who was starting tomorrow, but I mean Gibson makes sense because who who else they don't have anybody else right now. Um seriously, who would, who would start if it wasn't Gibson? I don't know. <laughs> I have no Yeah, I don't know who it would be. Um So, yeah, that's going to be what they throw out. Um, Of course, his last start, he got pasted by the Orioles, and then the Twins' offense went nuts, and he pitched like a 1-2-3 top of the fifth to get a win in a 14-7 victory. So um, can they do that again tomorrow? I have no idea. I do know that um, most of their, uh, at least uh, three of their starters will be fresh, although um, I know Sineau, Polanco, and Buxton all got in the game later today, but they all sat today. Uh, day game after a night game, and I think Sanoa struck out like his last eight at-bats or something insane like that, but um, I'm not going to panic about that because I panicked about spring training, and he's a top five player in the uh, American League right now, so I'm not going to worry about that too much, and I guess we'll just see what happens with Gibby tomorrow. Um, Man, it, it stinks that, and again, this is just to build on what Josh said, that there isn't a third, even adequate starter. Maybe Mejia will be that guy but we really don't know enough yet. Uh, that's, he's had two, I want to say, two competent starts in a row. I'd say. And that's, I mean, it's about all you can ask for out of a guy who's, you know, he was there, you know, he was just a, the throw-in in the uh, Eduardo Nunez Squidward trade. And he's just, <laughs> it's a chip in a chair, I think, is what it comes down to. Um, over to you, Josh. Let,
2: let me ask you this, too. I think the, the, and he couldn't pitch tomorrow, of course, and would have to get stretched out. Uh, but, there's not a capable fifth starter necessarily in the minor league system either. So would you try Duffy or has he been too valuable in the bullpen? He's been unbelievable in the bullpen. So do you stretch him out and hope that he is a fifth starter or is he too valuable where he is right now?
1: I would say he's too valuable where he is right now because their bullpen is a lot of, boy, uh, you're, you're, you're throwing darts basically. I mean, Taylor Rogers has been really good. Kinsler has been Eddie Gordato. Um, Ryan Presley will look like an eight, like a shutdown reliever one appearance and then give up a five hundred foot bomb the next one. Um, as far as Duffy goes, I think the Trevor May situation has to I would hope has them spooked about vacillating between bullpen and starter because I that um, May broke down at the two year at the end of the season two years ago, and he obviously tore his UCL this spring. I can't imagine um, just changing approaches helps with the stress on one's arm at all. So I would think Duffy's going to be there all season, and I think if they were to convert him to a starter, it would be in the off season where they can prepare and not like throw him right into it and risk putting undue stress on his arm.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with that approach. And unfortunately, again, like I said, there's just not, a, there's not an obvious pitching candidate in the minors for them to call up either, assuming now Mahia sticks. Hughes mm-hmm. is going to be out for a while. Uh, the problem with Gibson, though, is that you're essentially telling your offense you're going to have to score seven, eight runs <laughs> to pull off the W and Gibson's mm-hmm. on the mound. And he's been that way for a year and a half mm-hmm. or so, so this, yeah. is, this isn't new. Uh, but <clears throat> just generally, how fun is this team to watch? because they're improved on defense compared to a year ago. This is one of the better Twins defenses, I would say, in the last 10 to 15 years. It might Mm -hmm. be the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the majority of the positive contributions they're getting are all from players Mm -hmm. who, trademark, sport of trademark here, (laughs) will only get better as their careers go on. The Polanco, (laughs) Rosario, Sano, Buxton, Kepler, Vargas, Mm -hmm. Berrios. uh, They will only continue to get better, and we say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but... All of them have higher ceilings, maybe not Sano, but all of them have higher ceilings even than what they've shown, and they've shown enough to make this team a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yes, Josh, I agree. Sorry. <laughs> I almost knocked the beer over pulling the mic back to me. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, I just, it's, the summer is going to actually be interesting, and I didn't expect it. Um, like I said, they're going to be in first place on Memorial Day no matter what happens tomorrow, and it's that's great. That is more than anybody reasonably expected. I mean, again, Pakota had them at seventy-eight wins. People laughed at Pakota. I mean, even even Aaron Gleeman, our friend, um, was more on the uh, maybe more like seventy-three, seventy-four guys. So, but um, sometimes the math and the nerds are right, and it sure looks like they saw something that not a lot of us did. And again, like you said, the defense probably their best since nineteen ninety-one. I mean. And I know there are a whole lot of playoff, you know, appearances between then and now, but man, it's just nothing. Nothing falls. I mean, it's all, it's covered. Everything is covered, and it's not. After watching the uh, 103 losses last year, a bit, and at least I want to say 98 of those 103 losses had an error. Or seven. <laughs> so, and I know the pitching was terrible last year too, but man, the defense was bad. And if you ever can find, I think um, Parker Hageman has a, um, a on Twitter has a clip a, a, a clip show of all of the horrible defense from the Twins last year, and it's worth worth watching that and then watching a game this year just to see how far they've come in such a relatively short time. Um, let's see, anything else on the Twins that you can think
2: of? Do you, want to, do you want to talk a bit about, about the draft? Because I do have an oh. opinion on what should happen and how the Twins start should, in my opinion, impact what they do in the MMB draft here upcoming.
1: Yes, I think we should do that. I'll quick, uh, the breaking news on this is that they are bringing Hunter Green in for a workout. But also, um, at least one source is telling the Pioneer Press' Mike Bernardino that he is not in the mix for the first pick of the draft. So I don't know why that... That would be the case, and they're also bringing them in for a workout. I don't understand baseball drafts nearly enough, but um, there's um, definitely a case to be made that, um, you know, if they're actually going to be good starting now, that you may have to um, draft according to that with that timetable moved up.
2: Yeah, that was exactly my thought, is that, uh, you know, I think that there's been three names tossed around most frequently At the top of the draft list, that being Kyle Wright, the right-handed pitcher out of Vanderbilt, Hunter Green, the high school prep player, Notre Dame High School, Mm -hmm. also the alma mater of Giancarlo Stanton. uh, And then the right-handed pitcher, excuse me, the left-handed pitcher and first baseman, Brennan McKay. And coming into this year, my thought would have been: well, let's go with Hunter Green. Uh, He was recently on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Reportedly has a fastball that exceeds 100 miles an hour as a 17-year-old. Some scouts have said he could be the best right-handed pitcher ever to come out of high school, which is pretty high praise. Uh, you got the Josh Beckett's and Dwight Gooden's of the world that um, were pretty acclaimed coming out of high school. Uh, Kerry Wood as well. Uh, so how do you pass up, even even though baseball by far is the hardest sport to project in the draft for, because Football, they're playing the next year. Basketball, they're playing the next year. Even hockey, well, oftentimes the best play the next year. Baseball is tough to project, so pick a high schooler does have with some inherent risk. But when you're at that level, you're that good, that lauded, I don't want to miss necessarily on the next Doc Gooden or somebody along those lines or even a Josh Beckett. That said, with the Twins start the way they have played and and these young players developing as we've seen them this year, I would lean toward – changing my thought process and going with the college player and the player that i would pick i think would be brendan mckay the left-handed pitcher and first baseman out of louisville because i we have to believe this team is going to be and should be relevant the next few years and hunter green is not a player that can help enhance their results the next few years a player like Ryder mckay i mckay again left-handed pitcher is that type of player so if i'm the twins that's the angle i go and it's not unprecedented for guys to get drafted and then quickly make an impact afterward for teams that are on a run. Uh, Chris Sale. Chris Sale. Uh, Brandon Finnegan a mm-hmm. couple of years ago as well, another example.
1: I would probably agree with that. Um, and I don't know, and again, I just, I, I don't know the baseball amateur scene. I am not uh, um, Seth Stowes by any means or any stretch of the imagination. Um, I know, again, Hunter Green is basically i mean that from the si spread he's basically a baseball lebron james just a supremely gifted young you know guy and can do everything but like you said it's a 17 year old baseball player and those guys it's it's a it's a lottery ticket mm-hmm. and you just don't know whereas and and if they, if they were if this was last year just even last year that's the guy they take there's no i don't think they even you even second guess yourself that's you, you, you do that, but if they're going to try to compete here in the next two to three seasons, um, Hunter Green probably is in a four- or five-season type situation, um, whereas a college starting pitcher is probably, you know, maybe they can draft him and call him up to be in the bullpen in September. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a consideration they have to make, I think, and it's insane that we're talking about this. It is weird that we have to talk about if they get a good offer for Dozier or Urban Santana that they might have to turn it down because they need them to, you know, be relevant in September and again it's insane because nobody thought we'd be having this conversation but yes i would say given what we know and what we've seen so far that they should at least lean towards a college pitcher and i will take your word for it that McKay and maybe Kyle Wright are the two best options with the first pick in the first round.
2: Yeah, McKay's stats, again, he plays in ACC at Louisville, 91 innings pitched this year, 124 strikeouts, 2.37 ERA, a .98 whip, uh, strikeouts per nine of 12.26. So he's got the numbers. Uh, one of the challenges that team, anybody that drafts him is going to have to look at is Do they want to have? does he project long-term as a left-handed pitcher or does he project long-term as an offensive threat? But clearly if the Twins are drafting him, you have to draft him, assuming that he's gonna be a pitcher. If not, then I think you go with Wright. But draft him as a pitcher. The twins, I think, uh are gonna have a they will and they continue will continue to will continue, excuse me, to have a glut of first baseman that can't do much else. Vargas <laughs> is
1: already there. Yep.
2: Uh
1: Youngho Park.
2: Youngho Park. <laughs> uh the Pap Pap Papka Plavka. Palka. Palka. Daniel Palka. Palka. <laughs> down in the down in the minors and uh, as impressive as Sanoa's looked at third base he probably projects long term as a first baseman mm-hmm. first baseman as well so yeah if they if they if they think that uh, he's better off this McKay's better off as an offensive player then you you, you might not go that route but uh, certainly I think the teams are going to try to project him as a pitcher first
1: and yeah I mean twins offensively are fine where they're at right now unless you've got you know, Mike Trout, too, coming down the line. I mean, and your first pick has to be pitching. They're just, they don't have any. I mean, just today, Nick Birdie, their uh, stud relief prospect, um, Tommy John surgery. Oh, you did not know that? No, I didn't oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that was this morning. Uh, yeah, he's going under the knife. Um, and I think he was already banged up. I, I think that was common knowledge, but I don't think they knew. I think he was being rested the, the Twins way. Um, you know, put some ice on it, uh, rub some dirt on it, and hopefully it'll get better. Um, that didn't work. So so you got him and Shagwa, the two fireballing relief prospects, both banged up, and in Bertie's case, probably not going to be around until the middle of next season, which is a complete bummer for a team that could use, I mean, anything for pitching, starting or relieving. They need all of it, and they don't have any of it, and if this, you know, Again, they're again first place Memorial Day. I know I've said that before, but um, if you think it's sustainable, you are really, really optimistic because they uh, something you just can't keep doing, trotting out your Kyle Gibsons and hoping that Santiago and Mejia will be fine. You need at least one extra arm, and if you can get any bullpen help at all from the farm system. You gotta have it.
2: Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> just to show that uh, I'm in the season, I don't know if you noticed here, or not Stu, but I've got my T-shirt on, first round draft choice. It looks up oh, front good. it's got a couple uh, aluminum baseball bats on it, a baseball, and a mug of uh, cold. I would say that probably looks like what would you say, bush light? That's like a, that's a bush light and draft. That is on.
1: absolutely a bush light draft.
2: And on the back of it, I, it's, it's number one. There's number one on the back of the shirt, so I'm nice. I'm ready for to. Uh, have the Twins select a player that will make an impact <laughs> with my first-round draft shirt on with the uh, beer pun, the of draft course. beer pun. Of yeah. course. Which, uh, this, is, this is something I know the sportive, I haven't heard it in a long time, and I am completely up-to-date right now on the okay. sportives. Uh, hasn't been asked in a while, but what are you drinking tonight, Stu?
1: That's a great question, Josh. Um, on the way home from the game, I stopped at Dangerous Man Brewing, a nice young brewery in northeast Minneapolis and grabbed a uh, growler full of boysenberry milkshake IPA. And as weird as that sounds, it is really good. Um, It's got, you know, it's fruity, but it's not crazy fruity, and the IPA element is definitely there, and I would recommend it. And no, I did not ever see myself recommending a boysenberry milkshake (laughs) IPA in my entire life. And if my dad starts listening to this, he is going to disown me. But he would not listen to a podcast because he doesn't know what a podcast is. But yeah, that's what we're drinking right now. Um, It's really good. Um, And I think you. got a growler lined up after this right
2: yeah this past weekend went down and saw my in-law last night went down and saw my in-laws family down uh they're just southwest of marshall and came back up and got a brawl brothers kettle oh. sour and uh i do like sours and my favorite sour of all time is brawl brothers vancrete sour 26 which is a sour peated scotch ale and they uh have not made that in a couple of years but they did make this kettle sour, so I went to the liquor store. I went to go to three separate liquor stores tonight to find it. But I picked up their Bankeridge Pitted Scotch Ale, their normal one. So we're gonna try to mix them. So we're gonna try to do some. Uh, we're gonna be home homebrewers tonight, wow. basically. Wow. If we mix this kettle sour in mm-hmm. the Bankeridge. Wow. Yeah, I would think so. And actually, um,
1: that's the blending is. Um, I think uh this is fairly well known here that I work at Surly Brewing. Our 11th anniversary beer is actually a blended beer, too. It's a blend of a Belgian quad and a German Hefeweizen that has got 100% Brett in it. Um, That's some funk and stuff for all you beer geeks out there. And I know that John Bonas will listen to this. He's Starting to drool right now, but um, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, blending is not an uncommon thing in the brewery world, so it is it is uncommon to do it in your kitchen. That is, uh, <laughs> but um, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think we've got baseball covered now, right?
2: Yeah, there is uh, there's oh, well, there's there's one thing I was going to mention though. As we sit here, you mentioned in the open that we're sitting at the kitchen table of a farmhouse, mm-hmm. and uh, this farm. So some listeners that see it on Twitter might know this is i uh, I'm fifth generation on this farm. And that said, uh, my great-grandfather on this very farm was a blacksmith at one point, and he made still parts during Prohibition. Mm -hmm. And on the same farm site here, there was a country schoolhouse, and what he would do during Prohibition is he would hide the still parts in the attic of the schoolhouse. (laughs) And then in the middle of the night, folks that we know did sell Moonshine to Al Capone would come and get their parts from the great grandfather. So, if he can brew still, if he can make still parts for Al Capone, Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can try to do some blending.
1: I think that's fair. I think that's something we can absolutely do. Um, We also have a third person here at the table, uh, Josh's wife, Liz. Say hi, Liz.
0: Hi, everyone.
1: Liz has a headache, right, Liz? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: She does, so um, we're not going to bug her too much about it, but. uh, She's here too, to, in case we get out of line or start fighting about hockey, because we, we're both very passionate <laughs> about the Predators, uh, whoever they're playing. Your purds! My purds are playing against, uh, crap, who's in the Stanley Cup? Pittsburgh! Pittsburgh. So yeah, we're very, he's a, uh, Josh is a Penguins guy, I'm a Predators guy, <laughs> so I if think if we might start fighting here. Um, need, I think. You need a nurse. <laughs> we, and Liz is a nurse, so um, if we need help, we've got some. Um, Piper, are you doing okay in there? Okay, I don't have the mic pick that up, but my daughter's also here. Um, Let's see. Next on the agenda, do you want to do the quiz or do you want to talk about Zimmer? We go to Zimmer. Let's go to Zimmer. Um, This week, Mike Zimmer had his 9,000th eye surgery because apparently he had, like, his subway card all filled up. So (laughs) the 9,000th one is free. That's, I think, what his HSA covers. So Um, I don't know what it means other than... There's a really good chance he's probably going to go blind in that eye. You can't have that many surgeries on your eye in that little time and have it be good for your eye. It sounds like they're just trying to save as much vision as they can. And I guess I don't know um, what'll be difficult for a coach, especially like Zimmer, who seems to be really um, focused. And that was that was a bad unintentional pun on the defense and you know for somebody who likes breaking down game film um I am blessed to have vision in both eyes I don't know if anybody listening here has is only working with one eye but I have to imagine fatigue on the one working eye to break down hours and hours and hours of game film can't be great and I I, I could very well be wrong maybe you only need the one eye to do that, but it seems suboptimal um, for somebody trying trying to get detail and you know over and over and over seeing where well that you know the a gap is getting plugged by the you know the mike linebacker and that I, I I'm completely talking out of my ass right now, <laughs> but um, I'm just trying to figure out if that it, it can't be good is what I'm trying to say and I don't think he needs to quit because of it at all but I do think there should probably be some concern just for his general health and maybe look into the future. Maybe he probably, maybe doesn't have as many years left to coach as we thought even one year ago.
2: Yeah. It's tough to say. As you said, we're, we're, uh, we're hardly ophthalmologists. I no, so no. think that's about, <laughs> I That's right. Okay. You got that right. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> that said, I, I did find it a little bit humorous. I saw on, on Twitter today, I don't know who tweeted it out, but someone did, that uh, there was a member of the Vikings PR staff, and I'll be damned if I can remember his name. He was back there all eight years when I wrote for the Vikings too, but I can't remember his name. But anyway, a member of the Vikings PR staff had informed Zimmer that there are over 400 actors, I believe, that uh, are blind in one eye. So I don't know. 400? I don't know. I think it was actors. I don't even know. But but I thought it was a little bit humorous that –
0: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Amazing people that do things with, with one eye. <laughs> That's where you're getting your, uh, your uh, motivation from or your feel goods. But I don't know. Uh, you know, a guy like Zimmer isn't going to quit until... He physically can't do it. Yeah, I just I think we saw that last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess that's what makes the Vikings Twitter avatar folks go crazy for yeah. him. So yeah. I, I don't know. If it if it were me, I I I, I uh, would probably have a little bit different view. But hey, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys. As most NFL coaches, they mm-hmm. live to coach, yeah. and they'll do it until they physically can't do it anymore, or no one else is willing to hire them to do it anymore.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, you you look at guys like you know Marty Schottenheimer, Dick Vermeule. They basically had to be dragged kicking and screaming off the field, or they just or they just couldn't get employed anymore. One of the two. It's just I, he's that type of guy. I mean, Clarence. Um, I know we're treading on thin ice here because Clarence will listen to this, and if he thinks we're in any way denigrating Mike Zimmer, um, or if I were to point out that. Brad Childers has had more success in the NFL than Mike Zimmer. That would get me in trouble, but um, that's just a hypothetical. That's actually true, but um, yeah, so I, I, that's, I think the only Vikings news of is that he had another eye surgery and I just feel bad for the guy because it has, I, I can't, I would never be able to put contact lenses in because I just, I just, I, that's, I have a thing about eyes and it just it would just freak me out. So I, having eight surgeries on your eyeball was just a nightmare for me to consider. And I just hope things go okay for him and I hope they're a good football team this year, but I have no idea. Um I think that's it for football. Yeah, I I think so too. Okay, yeah. what's next, Josh?
2: Well I got to, what I've got here Stu is is I know last week on the Sportive, uh, Brandon had mentioned that he's joined CrossFit. Yes, he is. And, and that got me to thinking. Uh, about uh, you know I, I i've never done crossfit so i guess i'll throw that out there but i have my impressions of what crossfit does so what i thought i would do what i came up with here is a lift list of items where you have to tell me are these real things that crossfitters do and also farmers do or are these just things that farmers do <laughs> so whenever you're ready i can i can i'll fire off the first one here if you're okay ready. i'm ready okay all right so i've got a list of it looks like about seven or eight of them here so we'll start with one
1: Okay. Do you want to okay, um, just let me know if I get it right, right away or yeah. do all? Okay.
2: Yep. Okay. Uh, the first one we're going to go with is a tractor tire flip. Is that real CrossFit item or just something that farmers do?
1: I think I have seen, and um, every CrossFit gym is in a sketchy part of town um like an like an old pole barn um and there's always one tractor tire in that pole (laughs) barn so i'm going to say that that is a thing that both farmers and crossfitters do
2: ding 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 nice yes you are one for one okay one for one that is in fact something both that crossfitters do as well as farmers Okay. okay okay number two the 100 yard carry of four 50 pound pails of chicken feed is that something crossfitters do or just farmers
1: um let's see, I have seen buckets at the gym. I have seen people carry inordinate amounts of goofy heavy stuff. But I'm going to say that is just something that farmers do.
2: Uh that's incorrect. Ah! Yeah, that's uh it it they may not necessarily be chicken feed. But carrying four 50-pound pails 100 yards long is something that both CrossFitters and farmers do. Okay, farmers typically chicken feed. Break. That's insane. There. <laughs> well, hey, it's CrossFit. Okay. Uh, they drink. They also drink uh, coconut milk, and there's only one type of milk. Any self-respecting American <laughs> on no Memorial Weekend should be drinking, and that's from a damn dairy cow. So anyway, I didn't. You know, just like uh, you know, your dad didn't lay face down in the muck this no, Memorial Day he, weekend. No. I didn't get <laughs> up at 5.30 in the morning to milk fucking dairy cows to have people <laughs> drinking coconut milk. Goodness hey, sakes. Man. So, <clears throat> all right. Next one. The 80-pound newborn calf around the shoulder carry. Is that something CrossFitters do or just farmers?
1: Again, I've seen CrossFitters carry stuff like that, around their neck, in the shape of a calf. So,
2: oh boy, but,
1: oh boy, oh, I'm going to say just farmers.
2: Ding, 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 Woo. two for three. That'd be just something farmers do, 80-pound newborn calf. If uh, if you've not seen photos like it, look it up. They throw them around the shoulder, carry them in, uh, real nurturing to those animals. So oh, yeah. that's, you're, you're two for three. Okay, uh, number four. The square hay bale distance toss. Is that something farmers do or crossfitters do or just farmers?
1: Um, one reason I was a bad farm kid is that, uh, for one, I, although I grew up in a farm town, I lived in town. So uh, my farm experience was limited to, like, walking bean fields, corn to tasseling, spraying weeds, rock picking, <laughs> but not... but. One thing that I would not touch is baling hay, because baling hay is just thankless fucking work. (laughs) I think everyone agrees on that. Um, As far as um, tossing hay bales, I think that is just something farmers do, because I don't think even crossfitters are that nuts.
2: Uh, That's correct. The square square bale hay toss is just something farmers do. A little side note there. So freshman year out at St. John's, this would have Mm -hmm. been back in 1999, uh, there was a group on campus that celebrated Uh, agricultural weekend. It was a salute to Ag Nationwide. And I came in to St. John's as a burly, strong, strapping, 135-pound man. (laughs) And uh, so as part of this, they actually had a square-bill hay toss. This was was Mm pre-CrossFit. And I watched these 300-plus-pound linemen, including one out at St. John's, who was a fellow Sartell alum. Of mine and had been offered an offensive lineman scholarship to Wisconsin, Big Ten, mm-hmm. they're going to St. John's. Anyway, they tried to toss these square bales, and uh, this strapping young 135-pound uh, beast of a man beat all those <laughs> offensive linemen, including the guy that was offered to Wisconsin. So, anyway,
1: you're pretty proud of that. I'm pretty it? proud of that. Yeah.
2: yeah. Okay. Next up, we got we got three we got uh, three more to go. The deadlifting hanging quarters of raw beef, is that something CrossFitters do or just farmers?
1: Um, deadlifting, I think, is a big component of CrossFitting, even if it's not raw beef. Um, so I'm going to say, yes, that is something that CrossFitters and farmers do.
2: Ding, ding, ding. You are right again. Man. Yes, that is something both farmers... You know, now farmers only do it in the unfortunate event they had to slaughter one, but uh, <laughs> and, and crossfitters I'm sure if be willing to do it, just grab a hold. They probably take a bite out of it when they're done, too. But, in any event, yeah, yeah. <laughs> protein, I can't have too much of that when you're crossfitting. No, so that's that's uh, that's right there. Okay, all right, the 70 foot silo ladder climb is that something crossfitters do or just farmers?
1: Um, there are definitely climbing elements to crossfit but I don't think anybody climbs 70 feet across CrossFit, so I'm going to say that is strictly something that farmers do because silos are silos.
2: Ding, 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 ding. Oh. Yes, right again. That is just something farmers do. So well, as you said, they may do some climbing and whatnot, uh, but only farmers are the ones climbing up 70-foot silos. Okay, here's, here's the last one. The sledgehammer flip. Is that something crossfitters do or just farmers when they're really fucking pissed off (laughs) and the fence post in the yard broke again because the bull ran through it and they need to pound the new stake back in the ground, that corner post? The sledgehammer flip, is that something that crossfitters do or just farmers? I think... Oh, man.
1: I'm going to say that's something just farmers do. Mm,
2: Oh, Oh, man. Unfortunately, you ended on a low note. The sledgehammer flip is something... That both CrossFitters do as well as farmers. Oh, so, you probably got three quarters of them right. There. That was five,
1: five out of seven, I think, right? Yeah, that wasn't too bad. No, that was pretty good. I'm I'm actually I'm pretty in, pleased with that. I was uh I was kind of skeptical that I would I mean I think with the some of the pylometric or pyrometric or pyromania or Leopard album things I've been doing for my gym routine has like had some elements of this. So I think that's probably why I did okay with that and also you know, just being out here and then growing up in Hector, I know some farm things. Not, I'm not great at it. By God, I, I still, I don't know near enough about tractors to. I, you would be ashamed about how little I know. <laughs> there's John Deere. There's International Harvester. There's the orange one.
2: Alice Chalmers. Alice Chalmers. Alice Chalmers. Farmall is that one of them? Well, they merged into International Harvester, okay. which merged into Case IH. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. Case was going to be a separate answer of mine. So God. Ah. I sh- I well, I think I'm
2: right, though. Those are former tractors. Okay. It was a consolidation. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's not too bad.
1: Okay. I tried. I You hear me, everybody? I tried. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Are there any other sports? I can, <laughs> we've got, um, let's see, Stanley Cup starts on Monday. Uh, NBA Finals start on June 1st, which is like three weeks from now or something like that. Um, actually, no, it's Thursday because that's my... my oh. Um, long time sportive listeners, um, my oldest daughter, Celia, the, uh, po- the, uh, angriest point guard in Stearns County, um, is graduating, <laughs> is graduating from high school on Thursday. So if I sound emotional or you see me just being all weepy on social media, that's why. Um, she graduates from high school on Thursday. She is going to Montana State at the end of the summer. Um, so I just want to say thanks to everybody who's listened to the show and followed my basketball adventures with her as she, <laughs> um, she capped out at five foot one. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's why she didn't play the last couple of years, but, um, she was the angriest meanest point guard in terms. I actually had parents from Foley yelling at her, um, which was one of my proudest moments <laughs> as a father, cause she sort of did a cheap Shot foul, kind of swept the leg Johnny a little bit on somebody who was driving the lane, and um, it was a it was actually a pretty proud moment for me. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, that's a little personal update here. Um, god, Josh, do we cover everything already? It's a uh, we're thirty six minutes into this. We well, did say it was going to be a shortive instead of a sportive. Um, we're going to actually try to record an actual honest to god episode earlier early in the week this coming week, but we wanted to give something. So the listeners they could listen to on the way home sitting in traffic on 94 from Detroit Lakes or Osakis or Pequot Lakes or wherever the hell you chose to spend all of your time this weekend we stayed home because um there's it was actually really easy at the to get a parking spot today although it was a fairly full crowd I would say probably 20,000 um, hmm. it was easy to park it was easy to find a place to post up and drink we stopped at modest mm. right before the game on um, for Going transitioning back to beer here we went to Modest had their coffee beer and they had an anniversary double IPA and it was strong hmm. um, really really strong so um, that's why I avoided beer at the baseball game also beer is like a thousand dollars at the baseball game <laughs> um, but if you're gonna spend a thousand bucks on a beer they do sell Surly there enjoy Surly Furious um, let's see anything else oh uh, God oh did you know Waylon Jennings covered "Do It Again" by Steely Dan. No, did yeah, not know that. He did. It's uh, circa 1980. I we have um, uh, our uh the my uh sensible and classy Kia Sorento mm-hmm. has free Sirius radio this week. Um, I just I think they do that over the Memorial Day holiday, and they played um, "Do It Again," which is a Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. For everyone who has listened to KQRS once in the last 20 years knows what "Do It Again" is. Wayland covered that in nineteen eighty. And you know that Wayland is very good at the covers. And um, I don't know how I feel about it. If you wanna it's on um, YouTube. I don't know if it's on Spotify, but you can definitely find it on YouTube. Um, would you like to talk about your three favorite Wayland Jennings songs?
2: Oh boy, you put me on the spot here. Yeah, I won't say my three favorite, but I can give you I can give you three of my favorite. How about okay. That? Okay. How about
1: about, about three that our listeners maybe haven't heard? Everyone's probably heard, you know, Amanda or a couple of his other, like, you know, um, Only Daddy Little Walk the Line, stuff like that. Three songs that maybe they've never heard of that they can probably um, hunt down and add. He's pulling up a playlist right now, I think. Um, Josh is the leading Waylon Jennings um, fanboy in the um, outstate Minnesota region. He has many Wayland albums on vinyl. I've seen them before. It is impressive as hell. Um, so I'm going to throw the mic over to him and have him throw out three, let's say, just you know, deep cuts, covers, live shots, non-traditional Wayland songs that um, the sportive nation would like to hear, or could hear and maybe put on their own playlists.
2: All right, there, <clears throat> there were two that came to immediate mind, and... <clears throat> so I'm going to go three, two, one. I said I don't know if I'd be able to I reserve the right to change these of course and to tell anybody <laughs> that ridicules on me on Twitter they're fucking full of shit if they're not there wrong I'm right that said I'm going to go number 3 here we go Will the Wolf Survive uh, that was a song Waylon released in 86 off an album by the same name mm-hmm. uh, so still available in vinyl in vinyl uh, Will the Wolf Survive number 3 check that one out it's a more upbeat Waylon song uh does have a little bit of production to it, mm-hmm. which uh, generally I'm opposed to, but uh, 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 that is a solid, solid song. Again, Will the Wolf Survive on an album with the same name. Uh, number two, I'm going to say Clyde. And Clyde played the electric bass. <laughs> and that song was off his 1980 album, Music Man. Uh, dang good song, good beat so early in the career and actually uh, was off the same album that Waylon recorded the theme from the Dukes of Hazzard, the good old boys, which is hardly the uh, furthest thing possible from Waylon Jennings' deep, cup, deep cut mm-hmm. and for those that aren't the fans of country, but do have anything remotely uh, remotely close to a decent taste in cinematic perfection. Uh, those that watch, they're <laughs> fans of the Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> which I own every season of the Dukes of Hazzard on DVD. I mean, you may or may not believe that. But anyway, theme of Dukes of Hazzard, the good old boys and Clyde on the same 1980 album, Music Man. And I would say the number one deep cut for Waylon Jennings, and again, I'm not going super deep here because I want to make sure these are songs that the listeners could find on on YouTube or Spotify, is Rose in Paradise. And that was released in 87 on the album Hangin' Tough. Uh... About a cheating, no good woman <laughs> who ran off or either ran off with the groundskeeper or was uh, never to be heard from again or was, uh, chopped up Fargo style and put into the ground along with the groundskeeper on the grounds of which she cheated while her husband and successful businessman was away, uh, I think, I think it was probably the latter. Uh, again, she's no good. But Rose in Paradise, number one. So three, I'm going to go with, again, Will the Wolf Survive, number two, Clyde, and number one, Rose in Paradise. You can thank me later. I'm right. If you have an alternate opinion, you're wrong. Uh, but that's, that's the way I'm going to go.
1: And I would also say, if you can find it, if you've not heard Are You Sure, Hank, done it this way, that's just an immortal song. Um, uh, the... Uh, Alt rock, alt country guys who listen to this. Um, Uncle Tupelo covered that with Joe Ely, who's both good artists in their own right, and it's still not as good as Waylon's original version um, because it just that weird. I don't know how you would describe the guitar sound from '70s Waylon records. It wasn't country, it wasn't rock and roll, but it was something in that little no man's land in between that, like, kind of like almost like a steel guitar type of wine to it, and. It just it, it it has aged really really well, um, so anyway that those are our Waylon Jennings selections. Um, I can't. One story? Oh well, oh, yes, and story time with Josh to close out the show here.
2: All right, so last, last time I was on, which I think, well, I think it was actually two times ago, the last time I was on was episode 113, and this, I think, is episode 212, so yes. I was on 99 episodes ago in <laughs> July of 15 with Cousin Brian, oh, yes. who at the time told the story about drilling wells for Surly. Yes, he did. Which is... <laughs> right,
1: yeah, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How,
2: the, how the world turns. Yeah. The, right? wolf, the wolf has survived. The wolf has survived. Uh, <clears throat> so I think I think two times ago, I told a story about the time that I got my whole softball team kicked off, kicked out of the game. And there were some supportive commenters that said uh, you'd have Josh back on for story time, and so as Stu and I did just a, a very, very, very minimal—and I mean very minimal—amount of show prep here. Yes, uh, I did. I did think about okay, story time with Josh. So I'll tell. Uh, I tell a quick story here. This is back in 1998, the uh, fall of our senior year. Several buddies of mine and I would ride around in the back of pickup trucks as. You do when you're a high school senior (laughs) in Charles County. yeah. And we happened to find a couch in a ditch. And so we threw that couch in the back of one of the trucks. And that whole fall, we oftentimes ran around town or rode around town in the back of the truck sitting on this couch. Well, after the first semester was done, our senior year of high school, uh, we were going to have a book-burning party to burn some AP English course books that were taken and I, I sure as hell wasn't in that class but I was happy to go to the party and have a beer too anyway so uh we knew this was going to go on and we told the participants they're going to be at this party there was probably 70 or 80 people are going to be at the party to show up at this hill in Sartell this big sledding hill at midnight right on the nuts mm-hmm. and uh so some buddies of mine and I decided we're going to take this couch that we had been riding around on and throw it over the fence to get onto this hill set it at the top of the hill, strap two of those plastic sleds to it. Oh this God. is December, right? So put put a sled on each side. And so we did that, and we saw the cars pulling in at the bottom of the hill that we were on top of. And cars pulling in, pulling in, pulling in. So 70, 80 people at the bottom of the hill, and it's dark, wondering what the hell is going on. So right at the stroke of midnight, we took lighter fluid, doused <laughs> the couch full of lighter fluid, lit the son of a bitch on fire, dropped (laughs) rode it down the sledding hill all the way to the bottom quickly jumped off everyone saw five six of us that that were riding this flaming couch down the hill if you can imagine we jumped over the fence got the hell out of there went to the party well once we got back to the party we thought well the cops have seen this couch often (laughs) they saw the back of the truck for about three four months And they're gonna know where this couch came from. So really poor planning, but you don't think that far ahead when you're a high school senior. (laughs) You're thinking about doing cool shit and and finding girls, I guess, more or less. Mm -hmm. So we go back and we're gonna we needed to find this couch. And so we go back at the couch, throw it back over the fence, throw it back at the back of the truck, drive back to the party, thinking, okay, thankfully we got it back in the truck before the cops found out that there was a flaming couch on this hill in the middle (laughs) of (laughs) (laughs) Sartel. So well, 20 minutes later, the cops show up and we're thinking, ah, shit, somebody must have seen this here. And the cops said, we got a report of neighbors saying something smells like burning tires. And we said, well, no, officer, we're serious. We're just burning some textbooks here, some papers, having a good time. Uh, the beer bottles were thrown into the bushes, so you didn't yeah. see the the yeah. course, right? And uh, we said, well, no, we're just burning these books. And so he, he goes away. We think, we know what the neighbors are smelling. It's that smoldering couch in the back of the truck we better get okay. the hell out of town and so we start driving this couch out of town we get about a mile out of town and the oxygen from driving this couch down the road oh, no. lights the son of a bitch on fire again. <laughs> so here we are in the back of this truck about four or five of us uh, in this 84 chevy scottsdale pickup truck with a couch that is full up in flames in the back of this truck, and we're still just barely on the outskirts of town, and uh, so we pull over, go in the ditch, trying to get some, trying to get some uh, uh, snow on this couch to put the put the flame out. And uh, fortunately, we were able to get it. We brought it up to the farm here, threw it in the front yard. Uh, parents next morning asked, "Why is the smoldering couch sitting in our front yard?" And uh, I just mumbled some things, and I said, "Dad." All that matters is I was up in time this morning to milk, this morning to milk cows, so we we got her done. But uh, so there's there the story of the smoldering couch. Was it a hide bed? It actually it was. It was one fucking heavy couch. So, oh my god. Yeah, it was it was, it was a heavy one, but uh, uh, it went up in flames like uh, like you just it was oh, yeah. dry dry as could possibly be. Went up in big flames, and, and that's the story of the flaming couch.
1: Um, if you're from a small town, you absolutely have a story exactly like that, um, with the cops showing up at the gravel pit party that you were at, with a Coors party ball and Guns and Roses on somebody's halfway shot tape deck in their you know Buick, their parents Buick Riviera. Um, <laughs> that might have been a personal story for me. Um, so anyway, thank you, Josh. That was an awesome story. Um, I think that's it. wow, we, well, we got to the 50 minute mark. There you go. That was great. Good we, we, this, we did a hell of a job here. Um thank you everybody for listening. Um you're probably let's see, we're probably gonna get this posted Sunday night unless Brandon like throws out his arm, which is always possible for a town ball guy. But uh and he's definitely getting old. Brandon, you're getting old. You know this, it hurts. But I'm I'm telling you, you're you're getting old, you're aging, and I'm sorry. Um but yeah, we'll hopefully get that posted, and you can listen to this while you're stuck on Highway 10 or Highway 94 on Saturday, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday afternoon. Um, Josh, um, thank you again.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Stu.
1: And um, we're gonna finish this growler and probably just hang out a little bit more, and that'll be that. Have a great rest of your uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, if you know a veteran, give them a hug, especially if uh, there are family who is. Uh, passed in the line of duty, um, which is the actual Memorial day reason. And boy, did I phrase that horribly? It was was a good sentiment that I phrased horribly, but anyway, um, just, uh, love all of y'all and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad, high quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.